On this episode of the Power Podcast, I'm joined by Aaron Zahn, Managing Director and CEO for JEA. Zahn oversees all operations for the eighth largest public utility in the nation, which provides electric, water, and sewer services to customers across a 900-mile service territory in northeast Florida. Zahn was appointed as the interim CEO in April 2018 and named permanent CEO in November. We begin our conversation talking about his progression to the permanent position. You began as an interim CEO and you've worked your way into the full-time position, so I'd love to hear how that all played out and, and what you see as, a, as the future going forward for the company. So actually, I uh, originally started on the board of directors uh, at the early part of 2018, and really was asked to be on the board of directors to prevent a, provide a uh, some guidance relative to transitioning the business from thinking about the vertically integrated, centralized utility structure to more of the distributed model, much like uh, the telecom space has done, commercial real estate to retail. Uh, in terms of Amazon, um, you know, and a number of other industries we've seen in the past. And my experience as a buy-side professional investor for the better part of a decade or more uh, in Chicago and New York, and then moving into a CEO high-growth um, water business kind of would lent itself to that kind of thinking in terms of how to migrate business models and think through the dynamic changes in technology. Um you're certainly familiar with some of the other trials and tribulations JEA was facing at the time. You know, our nuclear portfolio, uh, certainly that was of high profile and continues to be today. Um, you know, and, and then more candidly and more macro, kind of all the trends that uh, utilities have seen over the last decade in terms of energy efficiency, dec- declines in demand, with the response being increases in, pr- in, in rates and prices while constantly dealing with the ever-increasing fixed cost of utility. And what was interesting is JEA at the time was going through a privatization debate. And, you know, for me, having been a buy-side investor, um, I was looking at it kind of scratching my head because um, my experience always told me you don't ever really argue whether or not to sell or, or hold something until you know exactly what the business model ought to be that best serves the customer. Because ultimately, when you have the right business model and you have the right approach to serving the customer, you maximize value and capital structure kind of follows after that. So it was interesting. Our CEO at the time, he resigned and uh, uh I kind of looked around at my other board members and at, at the other stakeholders, which are the city council, the, the mayor, and, and uh, the management team, and, and it dawned on me that uh, what we had was the equivalent of a Fortune 300-sized uh, company where all of the sh- uh, shareholders and board members and, and management team were not aligned in the long-term vision of the business. And uh, if you, my experience has always told me that, you know, that's basically the top three reasons companies die is because shareholders are misaligned with management or, or shareholders are misaligned with the board or the board is misaligned with shareholders. And um, uh, having had some experience in navigating turnarounds and dealing with those types of complexities uh, in the private sector, I, I don't know if it's insanity or just uh, altruism, one of the two, I guess time will tell, but uh I uh, kind of raised my hand and said, listen, I have, I've seen this before. Um, 
And here's a plan on how we can perhaps gain some alignment as a community and as, as a company and as employees and customers and start to really be talking about what matters the most, which is how do we deliver affordable, reliable, and kind of uh, advanced service, last mile energy and water services to our customers? Because ultimately, that's the only thing that will make JEA relevant in the next 10 years. So you've obviously gotten everybody kind of in line. What changes have you made kind of along that way, and and how has that uh, affected the overall, I guess, uh, mentality of the company and the employees? I think that the number one thing we did was establish a stock price. So I think one of the the major downfalls of uh, municipal or public utilities, whether they be power, water, or, or otherwise, is, is ultimately having a gauge of performance, right? That Because ultimately, this kind of concept of community-owned or not-for-profit means no profit uh, is this pervasive element that, if, if, if not kept in check, can ultimately find uh, the management team or the board making decisions that aren't actually driving the business forward. And at the end of the day, in the, in the, in the power sector, we need to understand that whether you're municipally owned or an IOU, ultimately you're in competition to make make sure you're providing the, the best service to the customer because now there are disruptive providers of solar and battery and micro turbines and others that aren't that, that don't even fall in either of those two classes. And I think you know, as you know, for the last hundred to 125 years, those were the only two predominant providers, and that's just no longer the case. So from our perspective, we established, we call it CSEF. Uh, it's our four basic measures of value. So customer value being number one, community value being number two, environmental value being number three, and financial value being the, the supporting metric that without it, you can't do any of its first three. And we now tie metrics to each one of them and cascade them throughout the organization and throughout the community to let people know what direction, where we are today, and actually what direction we're headed and where we expect to be in the future. And I think that's enabled us to have very uh, deliberate and methodical conversations about our strategies and tactics on how to move forward. Um, I would say, you know, if investor-owned utilities are very good at, with this because they ultimately do have stock prices, right? Um, and um, the, the difference is, is that in, a, in an investor-owned utility, um, it, it ultimately is only about return to the shareholder. And, and, uh, and I think we have some benefits as being public power and being public water that we can make deliberate and informed decisions where we might trade financial value for one of the other three. Um, but we should only do so if we're doing it eyes wide open and in full disclosure with our community so that it isn't truly a community decision. Now, as far as your mix of power generation, I know you mentioned nuclear, and I know there's some litigation out there about the Vogel plant, and I don't know how much or if at all you can talk about that, but I know you've made other changes as well, like the St. John's River Power Park. I just read a recent release that they're decommissioning, and and you've done some uh, implosion out there. And you're moving more toward uh, some solar PPAs I saw that you had signed. So what is your mix, and how has it been changing? Sure. Uh, You know, 
Um, JEA, you got to kind of understand where he came from in order to understand where you're going. JEA back in the early 70s was predominantly oil and uh, and an oil embargo ultimately made a shift to, towards solid fuel uh, in order to diversify. And as time has marched forward, we've been the beneficiary of moving into natural gas and seeing the natural gas prices decline over the last decade or so. Certainly, we do have the nuclear portfolio, which was really a tip of the hat in 2008 to the kind of onset of the clean power uh, plan and, and potential impact of carbon credits or the cost of carbon. Um, you know, I, I think all, that, the answer to your question on whether or not I can talk about Vogel, uh, absent just the kind of what you might know publicly, no, I'd prefer not to. Um, but, but what I think you can do is you can look back – you know, you can recognize that today I sit in a place where I have far more data than where we had back in 2008. And what you know is that, you know, uh, back in 2008, solar, you know, solar just wasn't at the cost curve where it is today. Today we've executed 250 megawatts of power purchase agreements for solar at a price almost 20 plus percent uh, cheaper than our current cost of dispatch of our fleet. And that will be a long-term hedge for us for about 20, 25 years and completely uh, emission-free. Uh, we, have, we have natural gas in our fleet. We still have coal and pet coke. Um, and we are looking at microgrids as well as, uh, you know, storage. And, and then, you know, we do hope that at some point in time, nuclear is part of our portfolio because I, we believe diversified fuel sources will ultimately provide the long-term best service for our customers. I know also I was looking back at another press release and I noticed you guys had won the Chartwell's 2019 Best Practices Award. Can you speak about that at all and what uh, what that means? Yeah, you know, it's it's amazing. Um, in business, I always, uh, my first question when I interview people is, uh, don't tell me the things you did well. Tell me the stuff where you messed up. And uh, we had uh, two major hurricanes come through on uh, Irma and Matthew in the last number of years. And, and what I would tell you is, um, you know, when Matthew came through, JEA struggled quite a bit. It had been, you know, an, uh, decades since we had dealt with a hurricane and major storm event and perhaps the muscle memory of how to respond, how to communicate with your community and how to be a, a leader in those type gray sky events was, um, you know, not as important. Um, not there, but between Matthew and Irma, both on the energy and on the water side, the the employee base and the leadership had responded in such a way where our um, restoration times dropped precipitously, our overflow events on water to the river and to the ocean went uh, were cut in, I want to say, almost 75% between both of the storm events, even though Irma was a far worse storm for us. And, um, and so... Out of those two storm events arose really a communication plan, which we call our Restoration 123 program, where we really got out and helped the community understand the sequencing of restoration from gray sky events. Uh, from, you know, essential services, police, fire, school, healthcare, to then more into the commercial industrial education, uh, and then eventually to residential and, and, uh, smaller outages. And, and, as you know, in life, kind of managing expectations is, is 95% of everything. And so that really helped us lead the way. And I think that's probably, you know, I, I don't have all the details as to why we were selected, 
but my guess is a lot of it was because it was um, a methodical and deliberate method of uh, or a way of of communicating with your customers, give, setting expectations, and then doing exactly what you said you were going to do and helping them know you did it once you were complete. Yeah, it sounds like you must have done something right in order to return the power as quickly as possible and uh, basically be the best provider of services for your customers. So that's that's really great, and I congratulate you on that. Congratulate my team. My team is the one that did that, and uh, they're, they uh, they did a phenomenal job uh, learning from the past and, and applying it, you know, uh, the lessons learned to, to be to be able to win that award. Yeah, and as long as you're talking about your team, how big is your company? So we're about 2,000 people, um, taking care of about a million and a half, and um, about 1,600 of those are frontline and, and field uh, work divided almost equally between energy and water. So we run uh, energy, water, and wastewater, but we just uh, we really refer to it just as energy and water because we've moved to the idea of uh, water being a renewable one one water resource. Um, so sixteen hundred of them are out in the field, pr- truly providing the customers with the service. Um, and then there's about four hundred um, that are corporate as well as support services, and then um, about fifteen uh, executives of which four report directly to me. Uh, Melissa Dykes, our president chief operating officer, is responsible for day-to-day operations and taking care of the customer today. Uh, Herschel Vineyard, who is the secretary of the Department of Environmental Protection under Governor Scott, uh, joined us as our chief administrative officer, overseeing regulatory, legal, compliance, and government affairs. Um, Ryan Wanamaker is our CFO, and Dr. Julio romero Guerrero. Uh, one of the leaders in smart grids of the future is our chief innovation and transformation officer. So uh, that's that's an overview of the team. Jacksonville is a pretty thriving area, I believe. I think it's growing uh, at this moment in time. So how do you see that playing out? I mean, are your services growing as well? On the water side, yes, substantially. Um, believe it or not, though, while we've added 65,000 accounts in the last 10 years on the energy side, which is, represents about a 20% growth, our sales have declined 10. Hmm. And so um, while we are a vibrant community, both uh, from an economy as well as population growth, um, on the energy side, we are absolutely seeing the impacts of disruption of technology, energy efficiency, distributed generation storage. In fact, uh, February 6th of 2019 – is the date that uh, the first house in our entire service territory filed an interconnect to go off grid, and so um, we are we are tracking these impacts and truly um, trying to pivot the business to be a part of the trend as opposed to uh, be, being changed by it. Yeah, I think that's an important thing to recognize is that the the industry is changing and where people are getting their power is changing and where they want to get their power is changing. I think the best way to think about it, um, and, and this is something that I, I think IOUs, municipal-owned utilities um, are all going to have to struggle with because um, ultimately the legacy power providers are burned with the fixed charges and debt loads of the past. Um, you know, we built $500 million facilities, and therefore we have the debt of the past. Whereas a lot of the new entrants are equity-backed uh, technology disruptors 
that have solar and storage and, and microturbines don't have that same fixed carry cost. And so as technology costs out, um, we're really going to not need to start thinking about energy efficiency as, you know, how do we take our substantial balance sheets and provide energy as a service or energy efficiency as a subscription model service or distributed generation as a service or distributed storage as a service and take the, what I would call the dominant market provider position and migrate. Best analogy I've seen thus far would be IBM and the kind of mainframe to personal computer to ultimately the cloud computing concept, which is effectively, I bet you there's no, um, probably not a, uh, a coincidence that they call it the future of the energy cloud, which really is pretty similar to moving from predominant, you know, main uh, large-scale generation to call it an energy cloud of, of trading uh, kilowatts uh, through blockchain or whatever it is. And then, you know, and, and how do you migrate? From, and so what you've seen us do is, uh, in the last six months is announce that we're paying off a billion dollars in debt. So we are deleveraging our balance sheet as fast as we can. We are executing shorter-term contracts uh, because we're recognizing that the trends of technology and cost out only play to the favor of having short-term, short-duration contracts. And we are migrating to uh, being able to pr- protect our customers' data. In fact, yesterday, um, a bill in the state of Florida uh, was passed that protects all public powers uh, customer data from uh, public records. Uh, and we, we uh, wrote and, and led that bill at a state level with the understanding of the, with big data being what it is, that that type of data can be utilized against our customers as opposed to benefiting our customers. So I think that the business model that you start seeing us um, move from is one where we are moving from thinking as a service territory provider to one of, I have a relationship with you, the customer, and how do I provide that single unique solution for you, the customer, who have a unique uh, profile of utilization, of storage, of efficiency, of consumption, and, and, and how do I design something that is unique for you using a suite of solutions as opposed to just a one-size-fits-all? All right. That's interesting, too. I guess you've answered most of my questions. Is there anything that maybe I haven't asked that, that you'd like to tell listeners? No. I, what I tell you is for all the things that we think we know, um, we probably don't know enough yet. And um, the, the, the place where we are going and focusing the most at JEA is in our culture. And the reason is, is that we're recognizing that the utility culture used to be a culture, or it has, has been for a century or more, a culture of, of not failing as opposed to a culture of succeeding. And, um, you know, for, and, and, for, and rightly so, um, you know, you think about, uh, reliability metrics. You think about the long duration and, and, and sizable uh, contracts that were executed. Failure cost a lot in the future or in the past. But when technology is disrupting and at, at such a pace, you know where we're moving to is a, here at JEA is to have an adaptive culture that takes takes measured and known risk, where we can at times fail and then adjust quickly. Um, because what we recognize is that if we have that type of culture and that type of employee base, ultimately we will end up providing the customers the best solutions. 
that's on both the energy side and the water side. And, and, and I, if I, I'd be remiss because we, I know you're Power Magazine, but, you know, little known fact, water and wastewater consumes 3 to 4% of all the energy produced in the United States. So water is an energy game. And uh, we are finding resource recovery where we're doing, uh, we're cleaning up the methane out of our anaerobic digesters to put it back in natural gas pipelines uh, as a renewable natural gas. We're doing a lot of other energy efficiency and energy re- recovery uh, projects on our uh, water side as well. Great to hear, and I wish you all the success in the world. I, I think uh, you seem to be on the right track. So congratulations, and uh, thanks for taking the time to speak with me.